listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast, the podcast designed to help you save your marriage, whether you're at the beginning trying to make sure you have the best start, or if you are at some later stage where you're finding yourself in trouble or just want things to get better. The thing I've realized is the same thing that helps to keep a marriage going great is what you need to do to restore marriage and The other way works too. Whatever you would do to restore a marriage also helps to make your marriage great because the heart of a marriage is about the connection. And so we go deep into that of how to rebuild that connection, how to also work on changing yourself. And what we've been doing in the last few weeks is talking about the lies that we believe about marriage or that many people believe about marriage that actually get us into trouble. These are those lies that you hear all the time that people just kind of drop into by accident. And so for the past few weeks, and this is our final week on lie number five, we've been covering those lies one by one, trying to chop them down to size so that you're not trapped by them. You may hear them. You may even hear a spouse say them, but you don't have to believe them. Now, let me be clear. I don't think that anybody saying these lies means to be lying. They're just repeating it, which doesn't make it any more true. It just makes us believe it's more true. And so that's what keeps us into trouble. Now, just to kind of go back, I'm not going to go through each one in any depth, but I just want to remind you, because there is a certain progression to this. The first lie we talked about was the fact that if you have to work at it, it's wrong. There's this belief that it, you know if, if I have to work this hard, this must be bad. This must be wrong. This must be broken. Rather than recognizing that working hard at something important is the nature of what we do in life. That was our first week. The second week, we talked about the lie that a spouse should provide all your needs, should meet everything that you've got, right? And that is across the spectrum. And so we talked about the fact that many times people are upset that their spouse isn't doing something in their life, some isn't meeting some need, but that's really not the nature of, of really any relationship. It just gets pressurized in a marriage. Week number three, or lie number three, was the fact that if you're having lots of disagreements or struggle or conflict, that that's trouble. Struggle is trouble. Disagreement is trouble. Conflict is trouble. And that it indicates that you're, if in you're finding yourself in, in arguments and conflicts that you're having a hard time resolving, that there's something wrong with your relationship, rather than recognizing a couple of things. And one of those things is that 69%, according to research, of the conflicts that couples have don't even have a true resolution other than understanding each other. There's some other reasons that I talked about in that lie. And then we also talked last episode about the fact that marriage is not 50-50. That's the lie. Marriage is 50-50. We meet each other halfway. We both are equally responsible for this. I mean, it, it sounds good from the outside. It's just not true. The fact is that marriage is about being all in. It's about bringing all of your best self to it. It's not 50-50. It's 100 in, 100 in. And what do you do when somebody is not able to be at their normal 100, right? How do you cover that? So we talked about that in the last lie. So now that brings us to lie number five, this episode. 
And this is an interesting one because it brings in some pieces from the others. But I've heard it so many times that we want to challenge it. We want to make sure that we take this on in some very clear ways. And that is that your spouse is supposed to make you happy. Now, here's how it usually happens. A spouse comes in and says, I'm not happy. You're not making me happy. I'm not happy. And that is the prelude to our marriages in crisis. But it's based in a lie that we need to take apart. So we've already covered the lies that are leading up to this one. And this is putting the spouse as the happy maker, right? That the spouse is supposed to make you happy. So I'm not happy is uh, kind of a prelude. I'm not happy, so I need to leave. Not I'm not happy, so I need to figure out why that's going on, and we can work on that together. That's not how that's used, which brings a couple of issues up. First of all, it's about happiness. The way we define happiness out there is one of the problems, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but happy sounds kind of like a similar word, happen. And that's not an accident. They use the same root of hap, right, which talks about something external. The happy is because something happens. And that can make sense to us in many times. You know, you can be happy because somebody happens to do something for you or, or something happens in your life. You happen to win a prize and that makes you happy short term very short-term, according to research, or someone comes into your life and that makes you happy, the happen of that makes you happy. The problem with that is that it then posits happiness as something external to us, that we're waiting for something to make us happy, or in this case, someone to make us happy. And we begin to see where this begins to unravel just a little bit. So we make happiness that thing out there, and we have that as, you know, some, some possibility that comes in. And even if it's for something good, a good goal happens and we feel happy from it, it's still as externalized something that is really an internal emotion. It's, it's our emotion inside. Interestingly enough, that emotion coming from our thought process, not from what happened out there. And there is a piece of that problem, the piece of the lie. We make happy as if it's something tangible, something that you know, has come to us, instead of seeing it as an interpretation of what life is bringing to us. Sometimes it's possible that somebody will see something that makes them happy and it brings no joy or satisfaction to somebody else. In fact, it would make them unhappy because it's not the event. It's how we're processing that internally. Which is where it begins to be a problem when we're expecting it from our spouse. So let's just look for a few minutes about what happens when the happy is something you're expecting from your spouse. What, what happens in that exchange? The first thing it does is it pressures and burdens the spouse. You know, what if you're just not going to be happy about something and you've decided that your spouse has to make you happy? Suddenly, the pressure is on your spouse to figure out the magic formula that's somehow going to make you happy. And I've watched this many times. It puts a pressure and a burden on a spouse over something over which they have no power. How you're feeling, how you're acting, how you're reacting, how you're responding to the world. Your spouse has no power over that, but your spouse now has responsibility for that. Right? You're handing the responsibility over and saying, here, you make me happy. 
And that really is kind of the, the lie here. A spouse makes you happy, so you're saying you make me happy. That's your task, to make me happy. And that adds the pressure and burden on the spouse. But there's another piece that's personal for the person who is expecting that. It disempowers the person who has the capacity of finding their own happiness. If I'm expecting you to make me happy, it's not my power to be happy, right? I'm having to wait for you to do that for me. It takes away my capacity of doing that. And so now I've taken away my capacity, my power to do that, and I've put the responsibility on you, but you have no power, no real power to make me happy, and that's where we're stuck. And that's the problem with this lie. It puts the pressure and the burden on the spouse. It disempowers you. And more than that, it lowers your own resilience. We've got a new puppy at our house. One of the things we've been trying to do is to get our puppy to sleep through the night. And one of the challenges of that is in order for that to happen, the puppy has to be able to soothe itself, to calm itself down. That's true for humans, too. That's part of what we're trying to do with kids. You know, when you put a child who's upset in time out, what you're trying to do is help them cope a little bit, to self-soothe, to figure out how they can find a better place to be. And so if we're constantly looking for somebody else to soothe us, one of the skills that we lose is how we soothe ourselves. And happiness, many times when we're looking for that person to make us happy, it's because we're not happy. Interestingly, I never hear this lie from happy people. I always hear the lie being told when somebody's not happy. My spouse should be working to make me happy, and I'm not happy. So there's something wrong here. I don't hear people come in and say, I'm super happy, and thank goodness my my spouse is making me happy, right? That's not where this lie comes in. It comes in at the moments of unhappiness in life. And so we suddenly have the place where the person who is saying they want to be happy has disempowered themselves, has pressured and burdened the other person, and lowered their own capacity, their resilience over time in order to get there, because now they're expecting the external to make them internally happy. So what do we do about that? Well, first understand that happiness is internal. I've known people in my life who, in the worst of circumstances, still find a place to find joy and happiness because they've internalized that capacity. It's in, within them. They're looking for that from a space inside of them. And what they've learned is that their happiness is not the cause of their life. It's not the pursuit of their life. It's not the end. It comes because of what else they're doing. It's kind of the side effect When people are pursuing life, when people are trying to find their own place of meaning and purpose, when people are trying to be loving and make the world a better place, they generally find themselves in happiness. They find themselves in joy. The people who are waiting for something out there to finally come in and be enough to make them happy are generally pretty miserable because they're always working from the place of waiting for that thing to finally happen. And so in a relationship, it's not about finding it out there. But how do we find it within ourselves, within the relationship? Which brings us to what often happens in this happiness conundrum. People get caught up in the dependence-independence kind of paradox. 
when they're saying the spouse should make me happy, my spouse should make me happy, there's a dependence there. I'm dependent on my spouse to make me happy. And so many times in a crisis, they go, well, you're not doing it, so I'm going to declare my independence and go elsewhere. Right? So there's the dependence-independence piece, which I see often as people struggling. They go, you know, am I too dependent? Am I too independent? And what they're not realizing is in marriage, what we're really talking about is an interdependence, that our lives are linked together, our futures are linked together, not our emotions, though. That's our own job. But how we get to somewhere, how do we get into our future, and how do we bring that to, as a, a team together? So think about this switch that we can often make. If we're seeking to be happy, we're stuck. If we're seeking to bring happiness to other people, we always have a place to move from. If I'm looking for you to make me happy and I'm not feeling happy, I'm operating from this place of not enough, of scarcity. If I say, you know what, I can find my own happiness, but I can also work to bring happiness to other people, including my spouse, to do what I can to influence that, that's a different matter. Because I can seek to bring happiness which is very different than trying to get the other person to make me happy. The energy flow reverses. What if two people are seeking happiness in the relationship and happiness that they can provide for each other, influence with each other, instead of expecting the other to bring it? Now, I will warn you, (laughs) I do believe it is possible to make someone miserable. I don't think you can make someone happy. But I do believe that over time it is possible to make someone miserable. Now, it is certainly possible for some people to withstand a lot more of that than others. But eventually most of us wither in the face of somebody working to make us miserable. And so it's possible that you could make someone miserable. You just can't make them happy. That's the dichotomy of this. Which brings us to what do you do? Let me suggest that one of the tasks is to find your own place of happiness. And one of the things that happens in our culture, I've talked about it so many times with people. In fact, just this week in a coaching group, uh, we talked about this, that many times we're called in this selfish mentality. In other words, if I do something to bring myself some happiness, I'm being selfish, That's just kind of a cultural shaming piece that we do. And one of the important pivots is to talk about being self-full. What do I need to do in my own life to be filling myself, to have enough to overflow to other people? Selfish is something that people often accuse others of. And then we internalize it and say, oh, maybe I'm being selfish by this. Maybe I'm being selfish if I take time to exercise or I take time you know, to read or I take time to do a hobby or take time for some interest. Rather than seeing that if we're constantly having to give to others, we're finally going to be drained. We're not going to have any more to give. We have to make sure that there's enough. I've often talked about this analogy of a well. You know, if, you, if, if you're there and you've got a well, a well of water on your land... And every time someone comes by, they say, hey, can I have some water? And you scoop out water and you keep giving it to them. If you're not careful, you'll notice that you'll empty your well. 
And then you don't have water for them or for yourself. So sometimes you may have to say, hey, no, I don't have any to give you right now. And that's not selfish. That's making sure that you got the cover bases covered so that your own needs are met before that happens externally, before you hand it out. That's about being self-full, taking care of yourself. And the other piece that I think is important is to see yourself as a contributor to happiness in the world. Not one who's cashing in on the happiness, but a contributor. There have been some people who have talked about the difference between givers and takers in life. Basically, they've decided that people are either givers or takers. I believe that's something we can decide which we're going to be. Are we going to be constantly looking for taking? I'm going to take my happiness from you. You've got to bring that to me. You've got to deliver that to me. Or do we see ourselves as being the givers of, of joy, givers of happiness to ourselves and to others? That our task is not to ask the question, are you making me happy? But what can I do about happiness? What can I do about my own happiness? How can we be, find our happiness together? So here's the part of the lie that is true. Marriage can be a happy place. Marriage can be about happiness. And the place that happens is when two people find their happiness and bring it into the relationship to combine it into something that is much more than either one of them by themselves. But together, there's more happiness there. The problem is many people are stuck. Because the relationship has gotten stuck. They don't have a place where they're nurturing the relationship, and so they have a hard time figuring out how to shift into a place of happiness. And so it's easy to break down into me versus you. What are you getting? What am I getting? Instead of we can find happiness in our lives, if we focus on finding your happiness, my happiness internally within ourselves, that we then bring into the relationship. That's where the relationship changes. The fact is that nobody can make you happy. Nobody can make anyone happy. That's your task. But then your task is to bring that back into the relationship. Don't believe the lie. But if you don't know how to move beyond that lie, recognize that part of the task is building that connection in the relationship where, where what can happen for both of you is powerful, where the happiness can manifest itself in your relationship, where you both can be working to be your best within that context. Now, if you're stuck on that, please check out my Save the Marriage system. You can find that at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. But please, don't fall for the lie that the task of marriage is to make the other person happy, that your spouse is responsible for your happiness. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.